0: Check it out right now at gitladka.com. Guys, he had his first SaaS company a couple of years ago, raised 1.2 million and then sold for 3 million, still managed to make a bunch on that because he was really the, the major shareholder there. Then said, you know what, I'm mean, gonna use this money by an e-commerce brand, failed miserably, flash sold that, and then got into MatterMade, where now he works with some of the fastest growing brands you've heard of: Loom, G2, these kinds of fast-growing SaaS companies, helping them decrease CAC. Or increase revenue and, and drive more pipeline charges on average call it 30 to 40 grand a month in revenue currently working with 10 customers and they'll do about 3.6 this year up from or sorry, down from 6.1 last year. But last year was VC dollars flowing everywhere or was the heydays. Uh, <laughs> now getting and now spinning off his design agency to do that. Hey, folks, my guest today is Eli Rubel. He's been a marketing advisor to some of the most iconic technology companies of our generation, including Dropbox, Loom, Calm, Productboard, and many others. His agency, Mattermade.co, helps early stage companies reduce CAC and drive sustainable demand. Eli, you ready to take us to the top? Let's go. All right. Let's talk about Loom first. I had the folks on, I think it was Shahad, I forget which one it was, but one of the co-founders on right like a week before they were launching the paywall. And he said, Nathan, we've been patient. We've got a coefficient built in. When you send a Loom and get two to sign up, it works we've got 1.2 million on the waitlist. We want to convert, I think I'm going off memory. I think he said they wanted to convert 6,000 to a $10 a month plan. And they want to hit a million dollar run rate within like the first 24 hours. You worked with them early on at what st- were you working with them pre-revenue to build that waitlist, Or was it post-revenue once they, you know, had a million, two million in ARR?
1: Yeah, this would be, this would be post-revenue. So this was essentially when I think they had raised a series A at this point. Um, and they were trying to figure out how to, um, cast a wider net. Like Their goal was to increase work user signups efficiently. And so we launched this hybrid campaign for them, helping them lean into high intent channels, capture demand, and drive down their costs to acquire. But I mean, at a high level, they brought us in when they basically didn't have a demand team. It was like maybe a demand team of one or two. We were brought in by an advisor of theirs, mm-hmm. uh, partnered directly with CEO Joe and his team.
0: Is this is this typically how folks use you, right? They have one or two internal folks, but they really need more strength before they hire 10 people on their internal demand gen team?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'd say that's probably the most common use case is like series A, series B, real small demand team. And essentially, they, they need to get to key growth milestones to get to that next raise um, and prove some things out. But it's kind of risky to go and hire like a very senior growth leader because they might not have the budget for the growth leader and the growth teams. It's like the arms and legs to execute plus strategy. And so we're able to come in and be that senior strategy layer that's you know helped grow 10 plus unicorns a year um, and also be their arms and legs, really help them figure out that initial foundational growth plan and program, what that looks like, help them establish baseline metrics such that they can go back to their board and say we've built a demand engine it works here's about how much it costs to scale and then they can go and build out their team so we're frequently what do you hand- reverse
0: engineer from if you had to pick one metric that you say it's this and then everything else falls from this what is it is it cac payback is it cac in general what is it
1: yeah i mean the two metrics we focus on are reducing cost to acquire and scaling revenue so uh, it's like revenue or pipeline depending on who we're talking to and depending on how long their sales cycle is right so we might come in for six-month engagement. And if it's an enterprise sales product, we're not going to be focused on revenue because their sales cycles might be six to nine months. We'll be focused on like quality pipe gen where the sales reps are saying, yes, these are really great conversations we're having. Whereas if it's you know a product-led growth company like Loom or Hopin or Calm or any of these other companies we've worked with and helped grow, um, the feedback cycle is much more immediate. And so we're able to focus on, it might be Uh, PQLs that they're really focused on and that's the board metric that they care about. Usually the metric is driven by the board wants to see certain proof points and we reverse engineer from there.
0: Yeah. Okay. Let me give you I, I prefer to talk about one of your customers, but I'm sure you can't because of NDA. So let me make up an account that I think is maybe similar to who you help. And then let's sure. let's let's go through that. So okay, I'm gonna see I'm a, I don't want to use series A because we have a lot of bootstrap founders on who are actually yeah. bigger and revenue wise in terms of their series A competitors, but let's say there's someone listening right now, they've got five million in revenue, right? Whether they're series A or bootstrap, whatever they have five million in revenue. Yep. Uh, they're currently paying, I'm gonna make this up a hundred dollars. Let's say they're paying four hundred bucks to get a forty dollar a month customer, so 10 month payback they hire you, you come in. What's a good CAC? What target are you setting for a $40 a month plan?
1: I mean, it's going to pe- depend. <sighs> There's so many factors. It's it's so hard to go like... Get me in your uh, head. Talk out. Think out loud. All right. Give me the metrics again. Yeah. So for $400 to acquire a $40
0: a month customer, 10-month payback. Okay.
1: And so your Eli, question is... Eli, I want to hire you.
0: How much can you improve?
1: Yeah, I don't. I honestly don't even know how to answer that. Like, so let me let me give you an answer. Like, the our process is we we look at what I call demand efficiency. So most most people when they're talking about this space, they will they'll talk about demand capture. They'll talk about demand creation, and where we find the juice and what's different is we zoom out further and say let's talk about demand efficiency, which is all of the different growth surfaces, and by surface that could be something as common as you know like the actual channels and how effective we are in those channels but it could be the soft tissue between touch points like when and when a trial comes in how is that handed off between sales and marketing or is there an upsell motion that is triggered by in product uh behavior that then there's a certain handoff so like there are all of these lifecycle nurtures like all of these different spaces um where things can go wrong. And a lot of these companies, especially on the earlier side, ignore these surfaces. They are focused on-
0: Eli, that was really valuable. You just gave two soft tissue between touch point, how is trial handed off? Is there an upsell motion triggered in on-product
1: behavior? Give me a couple more of those questions. That was good. Yeah, I mean, so, okay. So like all of these surfaces cross between how they approach TAM, customer focus, revenue orchestration, top of funnel, mid funnel, messaging, alignment, experimentation, and retention. Those are like the high level buckets that go into demand efficiency and then within each of these there is there, there are a number of kind of qualifying questions that will tell you how well you're doing in demand efficiency. You actually set up a uh, a survey that scores companies and they can like fill this out on their own um, and then get benchmarked a- a- against the industry leaders and see like okay if you know uh if calm and loom are score a 93 in demand efficiency like you could see i'm a plg company like how do i score in demand efficiency. And then they would essentially give you like a recipe book for what to focus on as far as low hanging fruit. So mm-hmm. you asked for more specifics. I gave you categories. Let me give you more specifics. So like in TAM, it could be, are you trying, like a lot, of, a lot of early stage companies think of their TAM. And they're like, yes, this is what I've been pitching my investors or if I'm bootstrapped, like this is our total addressable market. I'm excited. I'm going to go after everyone I can get in front of everyone I can. But the reality is that if your budget is strapped, you need to focus on a specific segment of your TAM. You can't just, Try to boil the ocean, or you can, but it's going to be way less effective because you might only be able to get your impression in front of folks like once or twice. Whereas if you're focused on 10% of your TAM, you might be able to get in front of them like 15 times in a certain time period. Right. So that's like Mm -hmm. one little piece of it. Um, You know, simple things automated lead routing, automated lead booking, SOP between sales and marketing. Uh, A lot of time, early stage companies will have a complex buyer journey that they've done a really good job. Like the marketers have done a great job teeing up this person to talk to sales and then sales will have no idea of all that historical context and they'll just treat them like they're a cold in cold inbound right and so then the, then there's this disconnect in all the hard work marketing has done this person thinks they're going to go into this really like high quality conversation then you have an scr saying like oh have you ever heard of heard of us before kind of a thing um so there, there are a lot of different examples like this, but in aggregate, it could be the difference between you know, cutting your cost to a quarter and half.
0: It's huge. Yeah, it's huge. Okay. I imagine people are hearing you say this going, oh, I wonder what e- what tools Eli is recommending for all this stuff, automated lead routing, all this kind of stuff right now. What is like your, your tech stack right now that you're just
1: really bullish on? Um, to be honest, I think people overinvest in tech stacks generally. I think that okay. uh, people generally think that tech is going to solve fundamental problems for them that it won't. And so usually step one is, before I even answer that question, I would say step one is like, get clarity on your buyer journeys. They're gonna, there should be multiple buyer journeys. They should be segmented um, appropriately. And then once you have just like, from very first touch point all the way through to revenue, and you can very clearly define that from marketing's influence, to sales influence, to products influence, to retention, all of these pieces, then you can say, okay, where are our gaps that technology could fill um, rather than this being manual, right? And so there is no one size fits all. I, I really, I'm not like a huge fanboy of anything in particular. It's just like, what is the right tool for the job and what's minimally invasive? Yep.
0: yep. So that makes good sense. Okay, let's talk more about you. What got you into this? When did you launch the agency?
1: I launched the agency in 2019. I founded a SaaS company before that. that was venture backed, sold that in 2014. Uh, acquired which company, company was that? Glider.com. We did contract lifecycle management.
0: Ooh, interest to hot
1: space. Did you bootstrap that or raised? <laughs> I uh I raised. Yeah. You did how much did you raise? I raised like 1. 1.4, 1. 1.7, something like that. we acquired right. really early.
0: So be honest. Look, I put my freaking tax returns in the book, right? So I raised bootstrap two million bucks, raised two million in VC flash sold, I made no money. The, the the investors barely got the liquidation preference, but I learned a crap ton. So same question to you. I mean, was this life-changing for you? Is it basically like a shutdown Acquire sort of deal?
1: Yeah. So uh, I was waiting tables before this. I dropped out of art school and I was basically like, man, I need to get my foot in the door in tech. I'm going to pick the most boring, unsexy company I could possibly pick. Contract management sound, sounded like the ticket. Uh, this by Silicon Valley standards was a total failure. Um, sold the company for $3 million. Okay. Um, but for me, you know, I, I walked away with a seven-figure outcome. You learned uh, a and ton, I, and I learned a ton, and and like the relationships that I built and the trust that I built from that became the platform for everything else that I've done.
0: Yeah, how did you make a million though off that? If you raised one point two, I assume you had co-founders too, right?
1: Uh, I had a co-founder, okay, um, who was no longer with the company by the time we were acquired. So I see. Okay,
0: okay. Yeah. so you can basically take acquisition price of three million. Minus whatever pref the investors got, and then there's exactly. some there's some juice there to squeeze for you, which is great. Exactly.
1: Okay, so you then pour all you pour all that into Matter No, no, I I acquired an e-commerce company. I was really burnt out after that. I was like, all right, man, I got to take a break um, from tech. Acquired an e-commerce company to just like learn something new and give my brain uh, a break from from the SaaS stuff. Uh, it was a dumpster fire. Like I literally bought this thing. The guy was about to shut the company down. He was a brick and mortar guy, in one of his uh, how much did you spend on it? I paid 70 grand for okay, well, uh, the domain name and like some assets. It's not bad.
0: I mean, if your whole net worth was what you made off the glider sale, that was only what, 10% of your net worth.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Okay. So uh, what happened? You just, you, kill, it was,
1: you killed it or what? So I bought the company. This was an interesting one. This, so I bought it. Um, they were doing like 20 K a month. I got it up to, I think it was like 250 K 300 K a month in rev. Um, and then realized that Amazon was just absolutely going to destroy us. And there was like a roll-up happening. We were selling motorcycle parts and accessories online. Um, mm-hmm. So I saw the writing on the wall. I was like, okay, I need to get out of this. I sold it to a PE firm in 2019. And that's when I started Mattermade. Interesting. Okay. Was that a flash sale in 2019? Or was yes, it a good Yes. That was like a... No, that was like a... <laughs> I'm holding almost a million dollars in inventory. That's all aging. And it's like motorcycle parts, right? So every year it becomes more and more obsolete. The parts that you're carrying in a warehouse. That's so funny. We had 22,000 SKUs under management. It was nuts. Oh
0: my God. So you sold this like a Thrasio sort of business or someone else?
1: Uh, we sold this to a PE firm that was rolling up. They owned like bikebandit.com and a couple of other e-commerce motorcycle entities. Interesting. But the, okay. the hat trick here was... Uh, Buying this business allowed me to extend my QSBS exemption from Glider, oh, so I ended up like the money that I made on that second position was really just in the tax savings yeah. from rolling the proceeds. It was great.
0: That makes tons of that makes tons of sense. If if you guys want to learn more about that, just Google QSBS and you'll understand. Um, okay, so then you get into Matter Made. Uh, when did you? So you launched that in 2019. Um, can you sort of share first year revenue in 2019 at Matter Made?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. First year revenue in Mattermade was probably it was like nine nine hundred k something like that. Okay, that's not terrible
0: for first year agency, but you already had some chops about you. You'd sort of been through the yeah. ringer already. Yeah, yeah. And what were you selling? So, like, if I was Loom approaching you, not actually Loom, but if I was like a Loom approaching you, what are you doing? You're saying here's a six month deal, it's ten grand a month retainer, or what?
1: Yeah, exactly. We were we had a monthly retainer, six month deals, uh, exactly that. What and so what are you doing today? Same model. Today, it's a very similar model. So we have a paid media side of the business. We realized that most paid media agencies were like agency people starting agencies. And I felt like coming from SaaS, I knew how broken that model was. So we do a performance-based model where we literally set our pricing based on which growth milestones we help them accomplish. And if we miss those milestones, our rate gets cut down and vice versa. Like we make more when they win. Uh, And then there's the traditional side, which we've already talked about, which is like marketing org in a box. So they come in your loom and you say, Hey, I've only got one to two marketers. I need like VP level strategy plus execution across demand gen, performance, marketing, uh, messaging, like all of the different surfaces, life cycle, marketing, nurture, just come in and own the whole program for six months and help us get to a better place. And that's, and that's just still a like retainer.
0: 10, 10, 20 grand a month. You've increased. No, no,
1: no. We were 45 K a month all of last year across okay. all of our clients. And uh, I would say times are a little bit different now. So we we've changed our pricing. It's a little bit lower.
0: Okay. So okay, but still okay, guys. This isn't like for I mean, I would say if you're gonna spend thirty grand a month on a six month deal, right? So hundred eighty grand, I mean you, you don't obviously wanna be spending this unless you're doing at least four or five million bucks in revenue, right? You need some history exactly. deals, some cohorts exactly. for you to analyze. Precisely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, very cool. Um, and how many clients are you working with right now, like literally in this moment? Oh man, you're gonna make me do math live. Uh, <laughs> Call it like 10. 10. Okay, and like how that. many how many employees do you have at the agency serving these ten customers? We have
1: uh, twelve employees.
0: Twelve. Okay, okay. This is great. So twelve employees. So ten times thirty grand. I mean, so you, that's like three hundred thousand bucks a month in revenue, something like that. Something like that. This is a very profitable agency.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we did uh, we did six point one top line last year, uh, and Can we're ranked- a little lower this year, or about the same. We'll be lower this year. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we were we were thirty seven employees earlier in the year. We we yeah. had to downsize. When are you spinning
0: out? When are you spinning out
1: your SaaS company? I know you're working on it, dude. Oh, I can feel it oh, too. I so, <laughs> funny enough, I, I just spun off. Um, we have this amazing design team. Like they're doing design for Dropbox and Yelp and like really high profile clients of ours. And I realized that. So many companies, especially like you you said, your audience is like bootstrapped or early stage founders, like these, so many of these companies wish they could have that level of creative for their campaigns and their brand and all their assets. And right now, up until this point, they've had to work with Mattermade and pay that giant monthly retainer to get access to our design team. But I was like, you know what? Let me spin off our design team and have it be like, start at 2,500 a month. Get design exactly when you need it not be held up waiting for the product designer to ship your you know marketing assets that sort of thing or brand assets so i just spun that off that's my new baby uh, in addition to matter that's called no boring i love um, that yeah okay so, that so no sass
0: no, SaaS, no though, then. I, not right I bet now. you will you will yes, there, I, there's coming. no doubt about it yeah eventually interesting okay cool all right on that note here let's wrap up with the famous five number one favorite business book. Oh, never eat alone. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? No. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building Mattermade?
1: I live and die by HubSpot.
0: All right, fair. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Nine and a half. That's pr- I love that. Uh, what's your situation? Married, single kids? Married, uh, one-year-old daughter. Ah, that's exciting. How old are you? I am 34. 34. Last question. Something you wish you knew when you were 20. Uh enjoy it. <laughs> Guys, he had his first SaaS company a couple of years ago, raised 1.2 million and then sold for 3 million, still managed to make a bunch on that because he was really the, the major shareholder there. Then said, you know what? I'm mean? gonna use this money by an e-commerce brand, failed miserably, flash sold that, and then got into MatterMade, where now he works with some of the fastest growing brands you've heard of Loom, G2, these kinds of fast growing SaaS companies, helping them decrease CAC or increase revenue and and drive more pipeline. Charges on average call at 30 to 40 grand a month in revenue, currently working with 10 customers. And they'll do about 3.6 this year up from, or sorry, down from 6.1 last year. But last year was VC dollars flowing everywhere. It was the heydays. Uh, (laughs) Now getting, and now spinning off his design agency to do that, continue running this. I think I'll have a SaaS business one day. We'll wait and see. But in the meantime, Eli, thanks for taking us to the top.
1: Yeah, thanks Nathan.